0: third chapter, and we're going to kind of follow up where we have been the past couple of weeks, and that is the sudden coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I had a title this morning for the sound crew, it would probably be, When He Shall Appear, We Shall Disappear. When He Shall Appear, We Shall Disappear. We've been talking a little bit about prophecy and how incredible the Word of God has spelled so many phenomenal things out for us. And as we look at the Word of God, we realize that when before Jesus came to earth as a babe wrapped in squally clothes, there were 129 distinct prophecies about his birth and about his ministry, about his death, and about his resurrection. There are twice that many prophecies concerning the second coming. We know that there will be a a window when He will appear in the clouds of glory. Everyone shall see Him. He will actually touch foot on Mount Olive. There will be an earthquake. A river will flow from Mount Olive to Jerusalem. Jerusalem will become the largest port in the world. And that the next thousand years, He will rule and reign. And we will rule and reign with Him. Before that thousand-year millennium or before the second coming of Christ, there is what The Bible refers to as a catching up or a taking away, and that's where we get the term or the thought, rapture, which is a Latin word, which means caught up, and that's where we get the word rapture. Last week, we looked at several passages of Scripture, what the Bible has to say about the last days. This morning, as we talk a little bit about prophecy and the word of prophecy, it has been mostly fun Growing up in the church, when different ones would come with what they call a prophetic gift, and they would call you up, and they would prophesy over you, and you would write it down, and you'd rehearse it, and then hopefully you would watch that word of prophecy uh, come into fruition. The first prophetic word is in Genesis, the third chapter, where God begins to prophesy. And the first thing that God prophesies to is our enemy. The Bible says the snake was more subtle than any other creature in the garden, we know that he manipulated Adam and Eve. He convinced her into eating. She also, she also gave it to her husband. They ate. The word says that a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years a day. God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of this forbidden fruit, if you eat of this, this forbidden fruit in the day that you eat it, ye shall die. Adam lived to be 940-some-odd years, didn't quite live the 1,000 years a day with the Lord. And uh, they ate of the fruit, and you know the story. They found themselves in judgment. And the first judgment that God brought was to the serpent. Apparently, the serpent had the ability to walk upright. It was a beautiful, uh, fascinating creature. But God told the serpent, from this day forward, you will crawl on your belly, and you'll eat the dust of the earth. And you know a serpent uses its tongue to sense out what's going on in the environment. We've learned the serpent in our life, he eats and feeds on our fear, on our pride, on our doubt, on our worry, on our negativity. In the the garden, he starts out as a garden snake, but in the book of Revelation, he's called the great dragon, the roaring dragon. So he feeds on all of our fear, all of our negativity, and he grows, and that's what he feeds on, and God told him, there will come a day when the seed of woman will crush your head. And we know that was the proto the first promise of a Messiah in the Word of God. That the seed will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And we saw that at Calvary. We saw that when they nailed his feet to the cross, his bruise was healed. But a couple of days later, he went to hell. He raised the dead. He bound the enemy. And aren't you glad today that he lives at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, ready to come and get his church. When I think of prophecy, I look at Daniel, the seventh chapter. There is a prophecy about a lion that will roar, and out of the mouth of the lion will come a man with eagle's wings, and he will rule. And we look at that prophecy, and we determine that to be America. The roaring lion was England. England, The lion represented England. England was ruled, and the world at that time, France, England, Spain, were all ruled by queens, but God said that a a lion will roar, and out of that lion will come a man. Of course, our first leader was the president of the United States. The eagle is our mascot, and so we see prophetically America, the beautiful prophesied in the seventh chapter of Daniel. As you look a little further in prophecy, you'll find that a king by the name of Cyrus went to read the word of God. And found in the book of Isaiah, the 44th chapter, that Isaiah had prophesied that a king by the name of Cyrus would rule and reign and would establish the kingdom of God. When this young king found what was written about him, he immediately began to pursue God and he declared the day of the Lord. How incredible is that? As you look at the Bible, there are UFOs in the Bible. Ezekiel 1 and 4 talks about a flying creature, four faces, the wings touch. And so we see an introduction of, of uh, UFOs. And then in the book of Ezekiel, it also talks about not just atomic bomb, but a nuclear bomb and a helicopter. All those things were prophesied hundreds of years earlier that we could go through the Scripture and seek them out and find out what God's Word is saying about us and our generation. There are, there are types and shadows of prophecies in the Bible that if you weren't of that time or of that season, it doesn't mean anything. When they ran into the tomb, the tomb was empty, and they saw his grave clothes, and they saw the, the napkin that covered his face was folded a certain way. That means absolutely nothing to your eye, but in that generation, it was the season of feasts. They would have wedding feasts that would last for hours, sometimes days, and you would be assigned at a place your food was brought. And when you were done eating, Jean, you would take the napkin and you'd wipe the grease and crumbs from your hands, and then you would throw the napkin at your chair, and that let the servants know you were done. But if you weren't done, Jason, if you're just going to go say hello to somebody or take a break, you would take your napkin and you would fold it very carefully a certain way and put it there at your plate, and what that napkin was saying, I'll be right back. How incredible (laughs) that when he died and was resurrected, he took the time to fold his napkin a certain way that when they ran into the tomb, he was saying, I'll be right back. And Revelation says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? I wanted to take a moment. I shared last week that I would take a moment and uh, bring to your attention the probability of a pre-Adamic race. Ezekiel, you might want to take the time to go to Ezekiel 28. And I want to read just a little bit bit about a creature that was not birthed, but a creature that was created. Special thank you to Richard for going and getting 275 lenses today. I can actually see the Bible. Enjoy your eyesight while you have it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation on the king of Cyrus and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God. Several attributes accounted to Lucifer, the devil, and we will read them together. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Winter He was there in the form of the serpent. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emeralds with gold. The workmanship of your tablets and your pipes were prepared in you on the day that you were created. I want to take just a moment there and share with you, in the Hebrew, the word tabret means rhythm. The word pipe means voice. When Lucifer was created, he was literally the rhythm and the voice of music. When he moved, a rhythm was forth. When he spoke, music came out. There's only two ways to create music, and Chris can tell us what those two ways are. You either have to hit it, Or you breathe it. And Lucifer was the praise and worship leader of heaven. It is speculated that one-third of the angels led the praise and worship to God. One-third of the angels led the praise and worship to the Holy Spirit. And one-third of the angels, Lucifer the light bearer, led one-third of the angels in praise and worship to the word. Let us continue reading just for a minute. That bless anybody this morning. You're on... You're the anointed cherub that covereth. I established you. You were of the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And we know that iniquity was pride. Five times you said, I will ascend my throne above the throne of God. I will receive the praise and worship that these angels are receiving. And for his pride, if you'll notice, in the abundance By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence with them, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane profane thing out of the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. Watch this now. This is before Adam and Eve were created. He was cast out of heaven. And he fell upon this earth, we know, according to Isaiah, with one-third of the angelic host, which probably led praise and worship to the light. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings. My question there, Gerald, is what kings that they may gaze upon you? You defiled your sanctuary. So on earth there were sanctuaries, and we know that a sanctuary is a a place where people praise God. So there are sanctuaries on earth. Before Adam and Eve were created. How crazy is that? For by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trafficking, that word trafficking in the Hebrew is gossip. How crazy is that? Therefore I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you and all knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You become a horror and shall be no more forever. The word says that there is a day coming when you and I are going to actually see the enemy and we're going to say to one another, that is what polluted the world. That is what destroyed. That That's the devil. I mean, we're going to look at him and go, that did so much hurt and so much harm because Jesus is very clear that says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God gives us the power to overcome temptation overcome deception, overcome accusation, the three tools the enemy operates in. God has given us that power, and God actually tells us that there's a blessing attached to accusation. There is growth attached to, decept- to temptation, but deception is the one area the enemy wants to operate in and wants and wants to work among the people, and we certainly see that upon the face of the earth today. So this is my supposition. This is my theory I believe that there was a race upon this earth before Adam and Eve were created. I believe that there was a race of people that worshiped God. I believe that when Satan fell with one-third of his angels to this world, they began to attack that civilization. There was a civil war, and there were those that sided with God, and there were those that sided with the devil, and those that sided with the devil. The Bible says the world was destroyed. I told you last week the world destroyed three times, ice, water, and fire. The world was destroyed in an ice age. That's what happened to the dinosaurs. That's what happened to the pre-Adamic race. This is my opinion. The saints of those that did not follow the enemy, I believe they became a race, an army of ministering spirits. Those that went with the devil, they became a race and an army of demons. Demons, unlike fallen angels, have the desire to occupy a temple as if they've occupied a temple before. When Jesus went to cast the demons out of the man, you remember what they said? Don't send us to the abyss, but can we go and get in the pigs? And, of course, they were suicidal demons. They were trying to convince him to throw himself in the fire, to cut himself. And when they, when they found themselves in the pigs, Jay, all the pigs committed suicide, ran off a cliff, and destroyed themselves. And that's exactly the way the enemy is at work today. There is an army of demons that try to hinder, try to frustrate. There is what's called a familiar spirit. All of us, when we were born, not only were we given a name, but the enemy has tried to attach a demonic entity to us. It's called a familiar spirit. It knows more about you than you actually know about yourself and knows exactly where to tempt you, where to discourage you, where to frustrate you, and it's a cycle. It keeps coming back in cycles, day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. But the Bible says, In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And I'm here to tell you there's a day coming when Satan and all of his followers are going to fall for a thousand years. It's a bottomless pit, Jay, so whether they're falling for a thousand years, complete chaos, and then they will land, and they'll come back upon this earth, and there'll be a war between the righteous and the evil. And we'll talk about the battle of Armageddon and the millennium a little later. But this morning I just want to establish the fact that there is a war going on, a war of evil, a war of good, a war of bad, a war of right, a war of wrong. And as we look at the Word of God, it begins to tell us that the days of Noah had degressed to such an area that all the people of Noah's generation could think about was food and drink and divorce. The Bible said they were divorced to marry another. Their God was the God of food. Their God was the God of alcohol. And as we drive the streets of our cities today, on almost every corner there is a restaurant. There are people that eat to live, hopefully. And there are people that live to eat. I hope I'm one of those people that I eat to live, that I don't that food does not become my God. Am I ministering to anybody today? I realize I've kind of stepped out there a little bit. And this spirit of Pharmacia, when Saul rebelled and went before the the the, the, the holy of holies. We know that Saul was confronted by Samuel, and Samuel said rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. That word witchcraft in the Hebrew is the word pharmakia, where we get the word pharmacy. Today in Cleveland, every day in almost every pharmacy, there are 200 prescriptions that have to deal with the opiate, the hydro, the Percocet, the Xanax, the the, um, Oxycontin. Those every single day. I, I counted Pastor Rhonda last night, nineteen drug stores and I'm not sure that's accurate. I counted the two Walmart, I counted and, and, and there may be more, but how scary that every day two hundred people are being so messed up on drugs and so messed up on prescriptions they don't know whether they're coming or they're going, have a tendency to to abuse a prescription, use it incorrectly. It messes them up and it and it, it leads them down a path if they're not careful they can't get off of. And uh Austin, do we have that I want to share with you? I believe this was either Fox News or, uh, if you'll help me, Richard, with the lights. Another drug known as FLACA is spreading rapidly across the United States and already causing an epidemic of overdose fatalities and acts of violence. Talk about FLACA. FLACA. The drug is called FLACA. Some have dubbed it the insanity drug. And it's everywhere. It's been described as the scariest drug in the world. More powerful than heroin or cocaine. This is a synthetic drug that can alter your state of mind, raising excited delirium, body temperature, and literally losing their mind. (laughs) They're all experiencing like superhuman strengths. strength. It takes six policemen to hold them down. That's a problem psychotic breakdowns, hallucinations, aggressive violent behavior, cannibalism and self-mutilation, indiscriminate violence when Flocka takes over. We are living in the context of the end of the age. We are a nation under judgment. But you think it's bad? Wait until you see what really bad is. <laughs> We are here, driving, and there's a guy that jumped on our hood of our car. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, 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 yeah. ah! it's Illinois, Ohio, Texas, Kentucky, California, and Florida, especially hard. Florida is now the epicenter of the outbreak. There's been many crazy stories of people having unbelievable strength. Some people would have like superhuman strength. People have taken flaca and it's taken six police officers to hold him down. People carrying off their clothes, running around the streets naked. In Revelation 18, there's a very, very important passage. Uh, In that passage, if if you read it, you will find very clearly that the kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth conspire together. And it says they do sorcery, and the word used there is pharmakia. Uh, which is the use of drugs to control the activities of the world. And it says through this, they deceive the nations of the earth. So in conclusion, to this mass invocation of demonic spirits in people, drugs play a key role in opening portals and contacting the spirit world. What was going on in your body, in your mind? What was happening to you? I never experienced anything like that before. I felt that I was possessed and I kept tired to stop whatever was. You described this as, you said, was it like hell on the inside or the devil? How did you describe it? It felt so evil. It felt like the most darkest, evilest thing that is imaginable. Many of them will see dead bodies that are dead. Whether it be animals or humans, they can actually feel the body, they can see the body. Others are seeing people following them. There are visuals that we get that were so grotesque. Thank you, Austin. There's like nothing I could ever even think up or nothing else. Such okay. a sad, such a sad day, such a day of, of grieving and and hurt and pain that anybody would be caught up in something that radical. I remember when I was younger, uh, there are things I said I would not do: hot rod, I said I, I would not do, and of course tobacco opened the door to marijuana. Marijuana opened the door to speed and and uh, LSD, and then L- that opened the door to cocaine, and that cost me everything. But ten years earlier, I was said I will never. I will. I will never snort cocaine. I'll I'll never shoot cocaine. I'll never go there. But it's like a transition. The enemy tries to put a hook in your jaw, like yesterday. And once the enemy gets that hook in your jaw, he knows how to work that. He knows how to lead you to places. And you know what? The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. I've told this church publicly. I enjoyed marijuana. I thought. I thought. I thought. I just. I enjoyed. I enjoyed getting high. I enjoyed that. But when you get so far in, and the price you got to pay to get out. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he promises to give us peace that passeth all understanding, putting the two reasons people do drugs. Number one is to get high alcohol and cocaine and meth. That's that high. That's that joy. And then people do hydros and morphine and heroin to get low. That's the peace. So God has put two buttons in your life, the button of joy the button of peace. He wants you to walk in peace. He wants you to operate in joy. He, he put that in you so when we're craving these feelings, they're not found in a bottle or needle or a pill. We don't have to smoke bath salts. We have to put stupid things in our body, but it comes from a personal rel- relationship with Jesus Christ. When you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, he does, and he brings that peace and that joy, and there's nothing like it. There's no high like the Holy Ghost high. We're living in the signs of the times as we looked at the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Most of you know the story of Abraham and Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. (coughs) They were going into an area that God had promised them. There was conflict between the herdsmen, between Lot's employees and Abraham's employees. So Abraham took Lot to a mountain and said, wherever you choose, I'll go the other way. Lot set his sights on Sodom and Gomorrah. There are actually seven cities total, and he moved his family to Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible said he was kept he was camped outside the gate, and then a little later he's inside the gate. He's one of the city elders. God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of his perversion. And Abraham interceded and said, If you found ten righteous men, would you, ten righteous men, would you spare cities of thousands? And God said, I would. And how, Rod, if you do the math, if you had Lot and his wife and four daughters, six, and two husbands, that's eight, they only had to come up with two more righteous people to spare the city. I mean, when you see how merciful God is. And let me, let me share with you why God is so merciful. I want to stop this story. The reason God sent his son and the reason God works miracles and signs and wonders and victory for you, the reason God will do whatever it takes to get you to heaven where you're supposed to be that he created just for you, Jesus said in John 14 and 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. Heaven was created for us. Heaven was designed for us. I shared with you last month, he created the world in six days, all the phenomenon of nature, all the beauty, the oceans, everything. He did that in six days. He's been in heaven 730,000 days creating a place for you and I to dwell together. How incredible, how phenomenal. Give the Lord a hand. Can you imagine? Eye has not seen and ears not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Heaven is going to be an awesome place. We sing that song, Beulah Land, I'm Longing For You. That's not one of my favorite songs, but I love the fact that heaven is our home. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're looking for a city that has foundations, four square, streets are gold, gates are, ja- gates are pearl, walls are jasper, and there we're going to dwell with God forever. How exciting and incredible is that day that we're looking forward. Look at somebody and say, when he shall appear, we shall disappear. Sodom and Gomorrah could not find ten righteous men, so God sent two angels to get Lot. You know the story. They went their home. Lot was serving them, and there were men of the city tried to get, the, get to them for sexual favors. Uh, Lot, in his stupidity, had two daughters that were virgins. He offers the daughters to the perverted men, and uh, they don't want the daughters. They want the angels. Uh, the angels move Lot's daughters, and Lot out of the way strikes the men with blindness. And Patty, in the state of blind, blindness, they still pursued and tried to get to the to the visitors that Lot had. That just tells you how scary that day was then. Today, Pastor Ron was telling about a young lady, 13 years of age, that a man had a hold of both of her ankles and was dragging her to hurt her. Mom had a hold of the hands, was screaming so loud and so long that she finally got her daughter away. This is in, this is in broad daylight. Uh, two, 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 day, two days ago, A young lady intoxicated beyond comprehension fell down behind a dumpster. There was a young man that raped her repeatedly. And then day before yesterday, the young lady on The Voice, I don't know if you've seen the Facebook, In Christ Alone, she sings that song, uh, Was Shot and Killed by... A crazy. I mean, this is a this is a crazy world. There have been two people that have died on this property. One man jumped off the sign on the freeway and died, and one man came and shot his ex-wife and murdered her in our parking lot. It's, it's, it's like not even church is safe anymore. The hospital's not safe anymore. The bars aren't safe anymore. I don't know the bars were ever ever safe. But the reason, Chris Vernon, that God will do whatever it takes to make sure you don't go to hell, that you go to heaven is that everyone that is born has a part of God in them. It's the DNA of God. When God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, the DNA of God, that that seed, that incorruptible seed that we call salvation, that you can call upon it and you can be saved and part of the family of God. If you die and go to hell, you're ready for this? If you die and go to hell and hell was not created for you, God loses a part of himself that he can never recover. We were talking last night about, do you think a thousand years from now, God will, God will change hell and, and liberate everybody? I mean, that's probably what some of us would, would, would want. I, I can't even imagine that, that, that decision. But the Bible says that forever is forever. If you're trying to determine how long forever is, if you were to ask a hummingbird every morning, my yard is visited by hummingbirds and butterflies and an occasional Siamese cat. If you take that hummingbird, Uh, hot rod and put it on the coast of California and ask it to pick up one grain of sand and then fly the 3,500 miles across the nation to the coast of New York and deposit that sand and then ask that hummingbird to fly back and pick up another grain of sand. Katie, by the time that hummingbird had picked up every single grain of sand off the 1,000 mile coastline of California and made the infinite amount of trips back and forth and deposit all that sand on the coast of New York, if you can imagine how long that would take, that's the first second of eternity. That's how long forever is. That's some of the stakes that, we are, that we're looking at. As you look at the signs of time, Second Timothy 4 and 1 said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed, to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And I'm not going to take time to list the religions that are anti-God, that are anti-Christ, that are anti-church, but they are out there. Uh, I, I, I'll write down just a few that I did I did feel like the Lord told me to share is Mormonism, Scientology, the Moonies, the Church of Christ, different, different cults or different religions that teach a different Jesus, a different gospel, a different Bible. The Bible says that in the last days there's going to be many that's going to be sucked up into Scientology. And I believe that Tom Cruise and John Travolta, and I, I just mentioned them because they're known to you. They believe in Scientology. There's, a, there's, a, there's thousands that are rushing to a book that Ron Hubbard wrote called Dianetics that was originally intended, Richard, to be a book of, fiction, book of fiction. But when it was read, they established a doctrine, created a religion. Second Timothy 3 and 1 says, This know also in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. If we've ever lived in a generation, I believe that that's the generation that we're living in today. Do I have a friend? In Matthew 24, he told them this temple that Solomon built a beautiful, incredible edifice. He said that temple would be destroyed. Every stone would be removed. 35 years later, Rome sent an army. They leveled Jerusalem. They leveled the temple. They moved the stones, and they ran a horse and a plow where the temple used to stand. They leveled it to literally dust. We're looking today at what I believe is a desensitization. Is that a word, Debbie, desensitized? I believe that we have become so desensitized with the way that things are happening, it's almost like a, a common occurrence. And I think in our heart of hearts, we say, well, that will never happen to me. No one will grab my daughter and try to take my daughter. No one will do this. No one will do that. But we are living in a world that is focused right now on evil. And I'm, I'm not going to take the time to share with you on television today the movies, the clips, the serials that you can watch concerning demonic activity, satanic activity. I mean, it's like program after program after program. And you go even to Hollywood, when you look at Van Diesel, The Last Witch Hunter, when you look at all the movies just recently, uh, 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 Camp uh, I, again, don't, don't let me go there, but it seems like this generation has a thirst for evil. The most popular statement ever, may, ever made. Um, what is it, Hot Rod? The most powerful statement ever made. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Watch this. For God sent not a son to the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the condemnation that men preferred evil to light because their deeds were evil. Men preferred darkness to light because their deeds were evil. It seems like a generation that's pursuing violence, a generation that's pursuing negativity, a generation that's pursuing pain every day. Look at somebody and say, every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Say it again, every day. day. 40,000, say 40,000, 40, half the size of this city commit suicide. Every day. 80% of them overdose on drugs. Every day in America, 40,000. I mean, that, that's almost too fathomable to believe. But people tired of living, convinced that there's no hope, there's no purpose, take their life when the Lord said, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. If you'll just give me a window to work in your life, I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring it back the way it's supposed to be, and I'll prophesy over you. Then I'll watch over that prophecy to make sure it takes place. I had another passage of Scripture here that is usually shared um, at funerals, at the gravesite, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the, the trump of God shall sign them, and the dead in Christ shall be raised first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The Bible talks about those that sleep, that those that have already died. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, the trump shall sound; the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. Then we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption; this mortal must put on immortality. And so, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be pro- brought to pass the statement that is written: Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of sin is the sting of death; is sin, and the strength of sin is a law. But thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do I have a friend in the house? Watch this. Watch this. The last, the last part of that chapter says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I shared last week, and I am, I am in conclu- concluding. I'm going to land this plane. I shared last week that I would explain to you how the world, how the Antichrist, how the spirit of the age will explain the rapture. There is a a census that says today, I don't know how accurate it is, Susan, but it says that there are 150 million born-again Christians in America today. One hundred and fifty million. I'm going to take a, I'm just going to take a guess. I mean, everybody in Cleveland claims to be a Christian and everybody in Cleveland goes to church, but they can't tell me what their pastor's name is. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. If there's, if, let's, let's, let's roughly say in the county in the city, we're looking at 90 to 100,000 people in Bradley County in the city of Cleveland. Let's just say, I mean, they all claim to be saved. But let's just say half of them. Let's just, say, let's, let's just say that if the rapture were to take place in the next 10 seconds, if you close your eyes just for a minute, If the rapture took place in the next three seconds, you would either open your eyes somewhere between here and heaven, or you would open your eyes. Okay, open your eyes. And this is what you would see. At every chair there was a person, you'll see a purse. At every chair there was a person, you'll see a wallet. You'll see a pair of pants. You'll see a skirt. You might see pantyhose. You might see underclothes, you might see sunglasses, uh, you might see breath mints. Every single person that goes to meet the Lord before they get to God will have a robe of white and everything else will be left here. Prosthetic limbs, if you've got a, I was going to tell Jerry, if you've got a mechanical heart, that will be laying. I mean, how crazy, can you imagine that? How crazy if 40,000 people in Cleveland, Tennessee, in the next 10 seconds, disappeared. Maybe there would be car wrecks. Maybe there would be plane crashes. Maybe there would be train wrecks. Maybe there would be, I I mean, who knows where you're going to be, whether it's night or day or what's going to take place. The Bible says this, two in the field, one taken, one left. Two in bed, one taken, one left. That's how quickly, in a moment, in a twinkle. Now, I've been practicing, so I'm going to look at my beautiful bride, and I'm going to twinkle at her, okay? There, I twinkled. How many missed it? You missed the twinkle. That's how quick, that's how quick the Lord's coming. Just a twinkle. And that day is coming. Okay, so the world. Jay, how are they going to explain away the resurrection of the church and the disappearance of 150 million people in America. How are they going to explain? I wrote some things down here. See if any of these things bear witness. Are you ready? Cocoon, E.T., Close Encounters of a Third Kind, Star Wars, Star Trek, Superman, Supergirl. Years ago, black and white TV, David Jensen, The Invaders. Several years ago in 1940, on the radio, War of the Worlds, H.G. Wells, they made it a movie. There was such panic and such terror through that radio that they, they decided they would never do something like that again. War of the Worlds. I think I wrote a couple more down here. What do these all have in common? Anybody? The world has been trying to prepare us for years that there is life on other planets. And there are other races, there are other societies, other civilizations. I mean, for us to assume that we are the only life in in the universe, the universe to come, I think is a little absurd. But there really is life on another planet, and it's called heaven. (laughs) And God is going to visit this. And the Bible says that you and I, and I'll get to that next week, we're going to, listen, if you've never rode a horse, you're about to ride a, ride a white one and you're going to appear with him in the clouds of glory and we're going to declare war on the enemy and the enemy is going to be defeated and then we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years. That sounds exciting to me. The only way the world society, the news brought, the news media, the only way that they're going to explain away your disappearance is that we have been invaded by another planet and people have been kidnapped. And that they're going to come back and they're going to kidnap some more. Therefore, there will be a world order. There will be a world power. The Bible says ten nations will make a pact with the Antichrist. America is probably one of those ten nations that there will be a pact made with Israel for seven years. In the middle of that seven years, the enemy will violate that, that covenant. And we'll talk more about that next week. But that, in order for you to prove that you are human, are you ready for this? Revelation 13 and 16. And he causeth all, both rich and poor, free and bond, that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is 600, three score, and six. Six, six, six. The word says that there's a generation that's going to have, it's not a tattoo, Patty. The Bible says in the right hand, or in the forehead, not on, in probably some kind of chip, probably some kind of dye, but something that you'll be able to scan. The Bible says if you don't have the mark of the beast, you won't be able to buy, you won't be able to sell. If you don't have the mark of the beast, you will be beheaded. And I don't have time to tell you about my story where there are 12 guillotines right now in the Atlanta area in storage that I know personally they're there. I know the ranger that that was a part of that, that that sent those guillotines there. But the Bible says that if you don't have the mark of the beast. But aren't you glad this morning that you and I have been marked by the blood of Jesus. And there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And we've been marked. His, the Bible says his name is upon our forehead. His name is upon our heart. And when he holds up his hand in power, our name is, is tattooed to his hand. That every time he lifts up his hand, he thinks about you. you well, just lift up your hand and think about him for a minute. How incredible. Lord, when you come. I want to be a part of that. Okay, I've shared with you the world's getting us ready for another, for another planet, another being, another civilization. Let me show you what the church has done, Brother Gerald. Are you ready? Andre Crouch, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Andre Crouch, it won't be long and soon we'll be leaving. Beulah Land, Gene, I'm longing for you. There's a song that says, Lately, all I've got is leaving on my mind. Mylon LeFevre says, I'm going to take a trip in that good old gospel ship. I'm going to leave this world behind. I'm going zoom, zoom, zoom far beyond the moon to a place called heaven to hang out with a man called Jesus forever. Do I have a friend? If I had my way, I would just say... Beam me up, Scotty. I am ready to go. But you know, in reality, I have people in my life that if the Lord were to come in the next 10 seconds, they're not going to make it. And I have people in my life that probably won't stand, Gerald, during the tribulation and resist the mark. They will probably take the mark. The Bible says pray that you're not nursing in that day. You can't buy food, you can't buy clothing, you can't buy shelter, you can't can't purchase anything without the mark of the beast. And so we have that song, Joanne, that says, Wait a little longer, please Jesus. Just a few more days to get our loved ones in. And that's the way our life should be reflected, and that's the way our word should be. You can't talk about prophecy and people not get excited. You can't talk about prophecy. It stirs up something. The Bible said, "There's a, Revelation 1 said there's a blessing when you study prophecy and the book of Revelation. There's something about it. It stirs, up, it stirs up that evangelistic nature where we want to bring people to Christ, draw people to Christ. Let them see our life and let them become jealous and say, you're just like me. You work the same job, but you're happy. What, what are you drinking? What are you snorting? What are you smoking? And then we tell them again, it's not a bottle. It's not a pill. It's not bath salts, but it's the babe that wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, that lived a sinless life, died a horrible death, had a glorious resurrection, but even better is coming back for those that are watching and waiting for him. I want to be like the five wise virgins that's got my lamp full of oil that when he he comes, my light can shine. I don't want to be like the five foolish virgins that did not look for his coming and therefore missed it, if you'll help me with some Instrumental music, I'm, I'm done. I wanted to share um, something that was probably breathed into my spirit when I was three or four, and today 61 years of age is just as real today, Gene, as it was 55 years ago. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day, that shall be. Linda, what a day that shall be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, Johnny, what a day glorious day that will be and that place we're going to there'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, would you close your eyes just for a moment no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there and forever I will be with the one who died for me, what a day glorious day that will be what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. On that day we will see all the Old Testament saints that stood. Those that died. All of our loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord. Every aborted baby. Every baby that died in infancy. They will all be there, moms, dads, sisters, brothers, husbands, wives, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, family. They will be there, and there we will dwell with the Lord forever and forever. How long is forever? Remember the story of the hummingbird. Forever and ever. We will rule and reign with him as every head is bowed, as every is closed. If the rapture were to take place in the next 30 seconds and you were to open your eyes, would you open your eyes somewhere between here and that third heaven, tracking through the sky, headed to where Jesus appears in the clouds? Or would you open your eyes and see a church mostly empty? Would you see the clothes? Would you see the shoes? Would you see the purses? Would you realize that you missed the rapture? Life was filled with guns and war, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children cried, the days grow cold, a piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. I have good news today. The rapture has not taken place. Jesus Christ has not returned. And there is still room at the cross for you. If you've wandered away from God, if you've wandered away from that cross, if you've wandered away from that relationship and you are not ready for the rapture, you're not ready to die as no one is looking around. If that's your testimony today where you're at, just put your hand up, put it right back down. Pastor Hank I'm not I'm not ready I'm not sure 100% I am not I am not ready is there one if everybody will look at me for a moment what a day that's going to be it's what we have to live for it's what we have to look forward to I know what's so cool about it Maria we can invite anybody body we want doesn't matter what color their skin is doesn't matter what walk of life social class doesn't matter whether they're dying of AIDS doesn't matter whether they're a governor or is it it doesn't matter scripture says whosoever believeth on his name shall never die but shall live forever I don't, want to, I don't want you to leave here this morning with the bad taste in your mouth, but I would like you to leave this morning a little heavy of heart. Would you take just a moment and would you scan friends and family and if there's one that would miss the rapture, if there's one that's not ready, would you ask God for a plan? Would you ask God for some way without being seen as a fanatic some way to introduce Christ not to introduce Christ in the fact they're dying and going to hell or they'll miss the rapture that's not what the gospel is all about the gospel is good news but introduce someone to Christ that they can have life and have life more abundantly if you'll commit to that today if you'll commit pastor I'm going to ask God to bring someone into my life that I know is not ready for the rapture and I'm gonna take this next week. I might write them, I might call them, I might go see them, I might pray for them. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take you up on this challenge. I'm gonna to witness to someone this week that I know is not ready for the rapture. If you'll do that with me, would you commit by just waving your hand at me? I'm gonna call I'm gonna call somebody today. I'm gonna to I'm gonna connect with someone today. Thank God for that. And you know what? There might not be a pre preademic race. That might just be fun to preach. But Jesus did say, I have children that you know not of. Just a thought, Donnie. You never know. Have you enjoyed the teaching today? Were you blessed today? Um, we are a church that honors God and His tithe, and our offering tithe is determined by the power of God. Offering is determined by the power of the decision. Our offering today, as many of you know, and we are, we are, we are a church that welcomes everybody but uh, a few months ago, our, our church was robbed uh, by some that actually attended here. <laughs> anyway, as you've noticed, we've not had any lyrics on the uh, screen because that computer with that, that, word, that word process has been stolen. And uh, we are trying to get the words back on the, on the screen. Your offering today will help us. I believe we have to purchase often a new computer. And then do we have the program that goes in that? We've got to purchase that, too. It's so about $500 for the computer. And how much for the software? 400 So everything today is a blessing. And you know what? If it's a dollar, that's a dollar towards it. If it's a quarter, that's a quarter towards it. Uh, there's no amount of money too small, um, too large. We did c- communicate with Matt Decker this week. It's nice and cool in here today, isn't it? We turned them on yesterday at what time, Pastor Todd. 12, and, 12 at noon, and then so we turned on yesterday at noon to be nice and cool in here. We got the other unit, we won't have to run it uh, on Saturday. We can come in Sunday morning and save our electric bill was about $2,600 last month, and uh, it's about $2,000 every month. So, the summer, obviously, I uh, just want to let you know where your money, where your tithe dollar, your offerings going is to uh, take care of the needs of the church. you know, offering envelope, lift your hand and our handsome uh, Pastor Todd, you've served everybody. We love you with the love of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May cause his face to shine upon you. May he allow you to be a light in a dark place. May your dreams be in color. May your visions be enlarged. And may the words of your mouth, the meditation of your heart be acceptable.